Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Claire McKenna. You're listening to Changemakers, the podcast series talking to people at the forefront of change. But you should never underestimate the power of a conversation. It reframes the way we think, the information we go on to seek and share and the conversations we go on to have. This is all very much part of the change process. Where do you stand with money in your life? I have had financial wellness topics popping up everywhere in my life at the minute. I don't know where you stand on messages from the universe, but if you're one that believes in it, it's been screaming at me recently about my relationship with money. Now, I've never had a major issue with money. I left home at 18 and I began paying my own way pretty much from then, but I've always been conscious that I could call in support if things ever went wrong and I'm aware of how lucky I am to have that in life. But I have constantly told myself I'm not good with money. I'm not sure when I started that inner dialogue, but it's been fairly constant as a companion and I've began to unpack it of late. And since then, in my course I'm doing as a health coach, it's popping up in my work as a presenter in radio. I've met people talking again and again about financial wellness. And when we talk about health and wellness, we often don't talk about money. And it's important to remember that the usual focuses of eating well and getting your exercise is important, but all areas of life should be in some sort of balance from relationships to career to finding joy and being in control of our finances. That's all part of being healthy and well. Knowing what's coming in and going out and living with awareness of that and security in our future and our ability to live the life we want That's something I've never done. I've ticked most of the major boxes, the pension, the savings. I'm not in debt. I run my own business. But as for sitting and working out a budget, never. And I've actually begun to realise I'm denying myself a bit of joy because the not knowing and the assumption about being bad with money is creating low level background stress that just isn't necessary. My guest today is Santis O'Garo, finding herself a single mom of two and in debt after a life of borrowing and spending. She took control. She stopped striving and putting her self-worth into the attainment of things. And she asked herself the question, what do I really want for myself? And once she got clear on that and made a plan, her life began to flourish, as you'll hear. We aren't given an education around money in school. Everyone set up at home where we're given our first introduction to money attitudes is different. And we live, in Western society at least, 
in a consumerist system constantly sold something. This conversation with Santos is so inspiring. There is a trigger warning as we talk about a time in her life when things got pretty dark, but she found her way and is now empowering others to take control of their money and take control of their life. She's certainly inspired me. You'll hear how she's building a community, will be launching money clubs that will work sort of like slimming clubs, has a TV gig and more work in the pipeline. I'm excited to see what's to come for Santa O'Gara. So let's go back then to your childhood, because I think when anybody talks about money, that's where it starts. What was it like for you growing up and what was the attitude to money in your house? Um, I had a mix, a mixed kind of experience. My mom, she struggled a lot with us financially. She worked a lot of jobs. I just saw that making money, being around money, it was a hard thing. It was always um, associated with stress for me, hard work, sacrifice, and a lot of no's. So for me, I had a lack of mentality when it came to money. I didn't see it as something that people had abundantly and the people that do have it, you know, they, they live far off in Neverland. And then I had an aunt who was really frugal with money, but she had money. <laughs> and I, I I guess as a child, I've, I've never really noticed it, but I've looked back now quite a bit with myself. And I've sort of seen where both sides of me is made up and I've ended up a spender as a result of seeing people tight with money, but due to different circumstances. And I suppose not only are we influenced by our own little world, but we're influenced then by the world around us. And I'm guessing you're a bit younger than me, but... When I was growing up, it was all the Celtic Tiger and the Spice Girls were telling us we could be whatever we wanted to be. So yeah. I think that really influences spending as well. It really does. And you know what? Their message was beautiful, wasn't it? Like, you know, girl power. But we have to understand that girl power means that you you should be able to stand in a room with any man out there and do what they're doing, not just to be spending and going around and frollo. You know, that was my whole thing. I grew up around footballers' wives. I don't know if you remember. Um, and that's what I saw, you know, to look good. The girls that people were loving are the girls that were going around in the latest designer. They were the skinniest. They were this. And you buy into that. You literally buy into it, you know. And as an impressionable young girl, that's what that's what I did. I thought, you know. I was always told no. So if I got a job, I can say yes to myself as many times as I want. And that's me being an independent woman. That's me being, you know, girl power. And that was all of my friends. You know, it wasn't I just wasn't the lone wolf going out doing whatever I wanted. It was encouraged and it was almost applauded to behave like that because we were young. We were having fun and that was all part of the cycle. We want to fit in. We want to be a sheep. To You, you want to be a part of something. And if someone sells it to you in the right way and they have the power to do so, then we, we're going to buy into it. We're going to want to be a part of it. What were you like growing up? Did you have any dreams as a little girl of, of what you wanted to be when you grew up? I think that was part of the problem, Claire. I was probably um, 
really confused. I'm a very creative person, but I was never good at art in school. I was never good at the things that, you know, would make somebody stand out and be creative. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I did go to college. I dropped out of college. I don't know what I want to do. And it's almost confused because the world tells you you have to know what you want to do. You know, you're in the last year, in fourth year, fifth year, and you have the career guidance counselor telling you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? Come on. What do you want to be? And you feel under pressure. And there's some people that are so sure of it. And for me, it was money covered a lot of things. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't really into that scene. I just spent, I worked hard and I just spent money. And I wanted people to think that I was successful, even though I wasn't successful at all. Because success isn't what you have or how you're dressed or how you present yourself to the world. Success is how you actually feel about yourself. And did you say you moved here as a child? Yes, I moved when I was 10 from the Caribbean. Um, and even though we had nothing over there, the you had people because any, what I've noticed in life is anywhere that you see poor people, like because I didn't realize we were poor as such until I was um, older. And we weren't poor. We weren't starving for food or anything like that. We just didn't have all the things. My mom couldn't just turn around and say, here's the bike or let's go to Smith's. Here's a new car. That wouldn't be that wouldn't even be an option, you know. Um, Or here's a new doll. I just thought of you and I bought that. Um, That wouldn't have never been an option. So when I came over here and it was a culture shock for me because now it's like you, you walk in and it was so important to wear Reebok, Adidas, Nike. And I just never got it, but I, I I bought into it, even though I never felt right in my head. It didn't feel like I was doing the right thing, but you buy into a culture because you want to fit in as well. Money could, could do that as well. And it's not to say that I'm putting it all on money, but if you don't have yourself educated around it, you can use it as a tool for getting what you perceive to want. I always think when I go down to the country, it's the closest I feel to being in the Caribbean. These people are just nice. They don't want, they're not trying to prove anything. They're not trying to rush around or be anything different. You know, they they just who they are. Hiya, how are you? Are you having a good day? And it's just those simple things that I feel sometimes we get caught up. And in Dublin, I've noticed that quite, and, and, and cities, not just Dublin, Cities, you know, when you go for a walk or a hike, everybody says hello because they're away from the rat race almost. And when you're in town, if you if you're walking by someone, you say hello. It's the weirdest thing to happen. That that was in the Caribbean. We just wanted, we just lived simpler. We didn't have a choice. And I hope, I hope for myself and for my kids when we do return, you know, on holidays and stuff, where we're planning next year, that nothing changes because I haven't been there in a few years now living in the moment that's that's one thing about to describe the Caribbean as is really living in the moment enjoying what is around you and enjoying who's around you there'll be people listening to this in possibly a gray Irish weather thinking well it's a, it's a lot easier to be connected to the land when it's tropical and beautiful but I actually think you're right you can transfer that anywhere but to 10 is quite grown up really isn't it to take yes. on that yes. move so that I must would, have shook you a bit 
It did. It's it, my confidence was quite. Uh, I was I was very. I wouldn't say shy because you grow up. I grew up in an environment where my aunties were strong. My mom was a strong woman. And just culturally, it's you were more vibrant. You know, you go out, you dance. And when I came here, it was like trying to adapt and maybe um, dull down myself a little bit, if I was to be honest, to fit in, to to fit in. Um, it would be nothing. It would have been nothing to me to hear a song and just dance. You couldn't do that straight away. Whereas you're from a culture where get up and dance. What what are you doing? You know? Um, so it was a lot of things that it was like a learning and you're learning to my accent was going bit by bit. My granddad was um petrified. He's Irish. Um and he he was like, please don't lose that. But you were trying to fit in and suddenly I was coming home with a hell yeah what's going on <laughs> you know <laughs> and he was he was like oh god what's going on here now <laughs> you know? but I'm like look you've brought me here I don't know what I'm doing I, I I'm getting slagged every day in school and I'm just trying to fit in and navigate this the best I can and obviously your parents just they had a connection to Ireland there through family and they thought there would be a better life so do you think that started that whole mentality of striving and working and having money and being grateful to have that money because this was the better life this was the plan I think so I I think that like my mom left her home and you can't help but thinking oh that's a sacrifice I think it's almost unfair on children as well on another sense so you have this saying where you're coming into school and you feel oh that's a sacrifice my parents made a sacrifice for me I need to be doing something with this. And then you have the career guidance teacher saying you need to be doing something. What are you doing? So to go around and work and spend money like you have more than you have, it's almost you justifying that, yeah, I am doing something with what you've given me. So when did you first start working and, and making your own money? Like when I was 12. <laughs> I worked on the, you know, we could have done that back then. I worked on the milk with the boys and we used to go around and just deliver milk. It was a bit of crack, to be honest, but you got 15 euro on a Wednesday. And I was able to save up and get the night track suit that I wanted, which I think is healthy. I think it's healthy for to earn your own your own money. But what I thought then was once you earn money, you can buy whatever you want. So it wasn't even that I was saving as such to have savings or for the future, I just wanted that and I was saving to get that. And as soon as I got that, I was getting another thing, you know, and yeah. as the money grew, that lifestyle grew. So even though in one sense, it's great to have work ethic, which I think everybody should have. And there's no harm in starting to work on the milk round at 12. There's no harm in it at all. But it's just learning outside of that and saying, you know what, I could buy a tracksuit book and I'll also save maybe five euro out of that and put it towards something in the future. But if you had, if we all had that education at home, we'd be flying, wouldn't we, really? Because you're right. I think everybody lives like that. Even as you were saying it, I'm like, I do that. And, you know, people get their paycheck and their salary and obviously the outgoings go, The whether it's your rent, your mortgage, whatever, yeah. the, the must-haves 
they're gone. And then people are looking at this pile of money and they're like, amazing. And in that first week, there's takeaways, there's a new outfit, you know, and then you get to the end. And like, you know, I think we've all been in situations where we're taking beans on toast for our dinner because there's nothing until you're waiting for that paycheck. And I suppose it doesn't really need to be that way. But you're right. We never think of it any other way. You get money, you spend money. That's what it's for. Yes. And even though my mom worked hard, she wasn't good with money. It's only when I'm older now, like she really wasn't good with money because when she got a better job, she would be the first person to turn around and she would come in and say, okay, we all got a Chinese. Oh, I just saw this and I thought you'd love it. Or, you know, and it would be that thing where she's telling me I have a spending problem, but really she's doing the same thing. And you're a mom now yourself. So when did that chapter in your life start? Um, It started five years ago. I welcomed my son, Louis, and it was great. I tried to save a little bit in maternity, but I didn't have a clue, really. I, you don't get prepared for pregnancy, really, until you're you're in it or you're on the second one, maybe. Um, and then I got pregnant back to back. I got had Eliza then 13 months later. We we were a go with the second baby and I had no savings at all. It was back to back. I wasn't able to really be prepared. My job only gave me half of the maternity benefits. I didn't know anything about social welfare or anything like that. And we, me and my partner split up and we were, me and the kids, we had a mortgage and, you know, there was a lot of stuff there. That there was a lot of outgoings and the money wasn't coming in the same, but it was building up the bad financial habits that I made throughout my life came to a standpoint when I had my second child. Because if the money isn't coming in, then it doesn't matter what what's going out, then you're not going to pay it, you know. And it's tough, isn't it, at the minute? I think of so many couples who are trapped in a relationship that's over because of financial reasons, because most mortgages need two incomes. And it's it's very difficult for somebody to say this relationship's over. So I'll get another place that the kids can also come to. So that's going to be expensive. I'm still going to be able to give money back to support these kids with their food and their education and everything. And you're going to be doing the same thing in the family home. I mean, that that that's Hard. looking for... Elon Musk type salary <laughs> in Dublin it is anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think it is extremely hard and it's so restricting and I'm one of these people you know um, I haven't been for a long time but I really am in that zone right now like life is so precious and it's so short and I genuinely believe that you know debt comes because it tells you that you've been given a gift of life and it's it's we get so comfortable in it and it's so hard when you're financially trapped or any sort of your well-being is off in any way that you're trapped in a cycle where you cannot live the way you really want to it messes with your head and money is such a big role plays such a big role in our lives that when you're stretched in any way like that everything, everything is affected. And it really did affect my mental health for the worst. 
I I just it was like everything that I've ever thought of myself came to that standpoint because I hid behind spending for so long that when I couldn't spend it was almost like a I don't know a bandage being ripped off and I felt very insecure very shallow very broke and very very lonely and when we put all our ideas of what success looks like into how much money we have and how much money we can spend, you can see why self-worth then goes to yeah. the floor. And you had a fairly good job. Were you working as a, a manager of a betting shop at that time? Yeah, I was in the bookies. Now, in saying that, I kind of stayed there because the money was decent. Like I, I'm a creative person and you know, there's no one that works with me or have worked with me is shocked by anything I'm doing right now because they always kind of said, you you didn't really belong, you know, in a certain sense. You know, I'm trying to creatively, you know, merchandise a shop where it, they just want two pieces of paper and that's it, you know. Um, <laughs> so I never really fit in in that sense or I'd come in as Miss Personality and people are like oh for god's sake although it worked with customer service and stuff um it was very draining for me and tiring for me but I stayed there because of the money because I had to maintain the lifestyle that I was living if I wanted to go on a holiday next week I will go if I wanted to buy new shoes right now I will go because that's the way I've built it up my whole life. You work, you get whatever you want and that's it. You can get loans, whatever you want, because you work hard enough, you deserve it. You should be able to pay it back. And that's just how my mindset was. And obviously it's a financial earthquake to have a, a breakup with a family, as we've just explained. But what sort of debt are we are we talking about that you were facing? I had credit cards. I had friends. That, I think that's probably one of the worst debts you can have. Um, own friend and family. That's something that people don't talk about and it's not probably on the radar as such. But, you know, one thing I've learned is the borrower is a slave to the lender. So if me and you are friends and I owe you money, that's after changing our relationship because I owe you money now and if I'm not in a position to pay back it, you're, it's always going to be that thing that's there and I had credit union loans I had loans for couches kitchens I got done I had loans for everything if I if, if I wanted it Claire and I didn't have the cash right there and then and there was an option to get it for credit I would just get it because I just pay it back whenever and this was your rock bottom moment because you were now a single mom, you had two kids, you had all this debt. But you say this was the makings of you. How dark was, did those days get? It got very dark. Um very dark. I I um I had let's just say I'm very happy to be here now. It was so dark. I think there was a bit of um, postnatal depression as well sunk into that. I had um, a lot of life ending thoughts. I had, I just did not want to be here anymore. I just felt that it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. This wasn't how I pictured being a mother, being a parent. 
um, not being able to look after my kids, having to watch every single penny coming in. And it it almost brought me back that that's not what we came to Ireland to do. This is not, I failed at everything. Every thing that I was meant to do right, I did wrong. And I got it so wrong that how am I going to tell my mom that I'm literally struggling and what you're seeing is an illusion? Um, to a certain point, yeah, it was it was very dark, Claire. Very, very dark. I would never. There's nothing that I can do now that would make me ever want to go back there. I would. I would. I'm afraid of heights, but I would go on a cliff tomorrow before I ever go back to that situation again. It was very dark and it was really lonely. It must have been very hard to see where to go because your your babies must have been quite young. And I know the face of, of families are, are changing. I mean, we've same sex couples, we've stay at home dads. I, I totally get that. But quite often as a mum, when you have two babies, you're thinking, how am I going to earn money? Because I'm going to be paying for childcare and, and how am I going to work this out? I'm sure all of that was playing into how you were feeling. It it really was. And um, I literally, I'm like, I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm not afraid of grafting, but I just didn't know what else to do. I, my granddad, I was really, really close to him. Like shout out to me, favorite grandchild. They they would all tell you that we we were pals, like you know. And he passed in two thousand and eighteen, and it was just at the cusp of everything when I, I was falling apart. And it was the first time that I was gonna go to him in my whole life and say I need help. He was the only one I felt comfortable with, and then like he was quite sick though. So he passed anyway, and I just felt really alone, like the one person that I would have shared shared that with. He was gone, and I just, I, I really didn't know what else to do. So I joined, I saw an MLM, you know, those multi, they were selling makeup. And like, I, would, I wasn't even on Facebook really or anything. I was on it, but it was just to connect with my friends and family back home. And... I was, I joined to MLM and I was selling makeup, like, and you know, I'm literally the kind of people that, um, quote unquote, they target, you know, somebody who's desperate, who's grabbing for anything. And I found myself actually more in debt after leaving that, than it didn't work. I wasn't really good at, at selling makeup. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just, but what I did learn was, you know, the mindset side of it, because some of these women are, you know, they, they have turned their life around somewhat and it takes a lot of willpower, but that didn't work. So I went back, I was off maternity leave. I had two minders, Bernie and Deborah. And then I also had, you know, a crash that would take them one day my mom was one of those parents and obviously she didn't really know. She was one of those parents that she didn't want to be a child minder. She wanted to be a grandmother. Um, and she told us all early on. So I had to respect that boundary, which I do now. And I, I, I totally get. Um, But she really didn't. So she would take them maybe one day, but she didn't want it to be an ongoing thing. And... Yeah. So I was juggling that um, in the bookies, you could work, you could be home at half 10. So I was just constantly tired. Wasn't seeing my kids. 
and it just made me feel worse like I was having panic attacks all the time couldn't breathe if you if you, if you say anything to me I'd cry if you mention a party if you mention a gift because it was so tight I would cry I would bawl bawl my eyes out and just crying all the time you like just really really down um my friends were noticing you know something was up something was off um starting to isolate myself um it was just it's 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 really mentally I was gone and I didn't know how to fix it I couldn't it wasn't working the fact that you know, I was doing all these hours. It still wasn't enough because the money was going out on something else now because I had children. So it wasn't like it was before when I've paid off a loan. It was more outgoings now in a way that I never even guessed it could be. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think a lot of us do that. Just keep going, trudge on, because there doesn't seem to be any other way. Bills need to be paid. This is just the way it is you know, you have these two kids, you just have to do what you you have to do. But thankfully, there is another way. Where did you start to piece things back together to get to where you are now? I mean, it sounds like you're talking to me about a time that was in black and white and now you live in Technicolor, although I'm sure there was still colour in your life, even when you were really (laughs) down. (laughs) I had a little bit of colour, but I couldn't, couldn't, it looked black and white to me, to be honest, um, looking out. I went to a friend, um, he works for a very big bank and I was, I was looking at insolvency. Um, I was looking at just, you know, cashing in the apartment and maybe just starting from scratch. I didn't know what else to do because nothing was working. And then thankfully I didn't. And at that Christmas, I was sent to the hospital because my doctor was quite worried about me and I was that was my lowest point I, I probably I I'd, I'd, I'd um yeah that was my lowest point and when I came back I just had maybe about four days where I was just sitting numb and then I just went you know 2019 has to be different 
this has something has to change because I'm thinking of taking my own life because and leaving my children who are the most important things to me. And the worrying part is I kind of feel like that's okay, you know? Like that's that's a normal thing to do and it's not normal. And I went back to my doctors and I, I said to him, like, look, I need, I need, I don't know what to do. And he said, I'm looking at you. And, you know, a lot of people are depressed or they're down because sometimes maybe it's idleness and maybe, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. But you are stressed. <laughs> you are so stressed. You're on edge. Um, It's to the point where I am afraid to suggest something to you because you're so defensive and so on edge that and I know you know he was he was kind of he was really worried for me and he's been my doctor since I came to Ireland he's retired now he said you need to go to your job and say you're gonna pull back a little bit you need to tell them that you're under pressure because you know working in the bookies is a different level you know it's a high intensity environment you're gonna see people at their worst there and that's another view on money as well and it's a lot to take on it's a lot to take home especially if your your world is crumbling on its own and he said you need to pull back on everything and you need to really sit back and look and ask yourself what exactly you want and that was the best thing he's ever said to me he asked I I started saying what ex- what do I want from my life and I started daring to think that it can change and I was like, the death has to go. And this lifestyle and this cycle of this is a poverty cycle has to end. Because that's exactly what the wheel I have to get off, I have to get off this train, you know, I have to get off the, the, the hamster wheel. And I just sat down and I went, How do people get out of debt? And I started Googling and I Googled um how to get out of debt fast. And I was on YouTube because I'm a visual person. I like to see people doing things. And I came across this lady and she was a teacher in America. And she she was getting out of debt. She was doing it every single week. And she wasn't doing anything extravagant. And it wasn't any anything huge. She was just watching her money in a way that I've never seen anybody do it in my life. And... She started making me think it wasn't normal to have, you know, 10 loans and to be like 15 debt was how much I paid. But that wasn't the worst debt I've ever had in my life. You know, I've been 30 grand in debt at times and it's been nothing to me. I bought a car for 20 grand. It's been nothing to me because I could pay it back. And it was like a light bulb went on in 2019 where it was like, this is not normal. Although the world is telling me it's normal, it doesn't feel good for me to live this normal and I have to change. And we do have a real disassociation with money, don't we? Because there's you don't see cash. I remember thinking that when we bought our house. So this is the first time I dealt in such big figures, you know, hundreds of thousands of euro that we never saw or touched. It, it all seemed to be a stroke on the computer. It, you know, it's it's funny. Yeah. And like you say, 20 grand for a car. And we're like, yeah, but we we don't feel it. And even now, the way we can pay for things, it, I've bought stupid things that have arrived in a box to the door that, yeah. you know, one minute I was looking 
at friends' pictures on Facebook. Next thing I'm ordering shoes that I, I don't need. It, it's so yeah. quick and it's so fast that we don't put the thought into it. Um, it really is, Claire. It's it's psychological. There's a reason in some sense that we're moving away from cash because it is it has been prov it has been proven psychologically you're gonna spend less when you're actually physically touching that note. If you have a fifty euro note, you'll hang on to that a lot longer than if you have fifty euro in a card because the card you're emotionally detached. With the fifty euro note, you can feel it. All your sensories are there. You're touching it. You're having the experience of passing it to somebody, getting your change back, the, the jingle of the coins in your purse. It's all part of that. But when we're going and it's just a tap, you're emotionally detached. Is it really your money? What, what is it even yours? You have the car now. There wasn't even money involved, really. You know, so that's that's part of it there as well. Um, and that's that's where I, I always look at it when I'm talking about budgeting and stuff. And that's when... I started, I realized when I started my debt-free journey, I didn't start it because that woman was, uh, you know, somebody in a suit telling me I'm a bad person and how I should do it. I I connected emotionally like I do. You know, I connect, connected with her emotionally because she was saying, I've been there, I've done that, and this is how I got out. I'm getting out. And I said, I want to be, I want to be in your gang, you know? Yeah, because sometimes financial discussions, you're right, you can have somebody in a suit in an office who starts talking percentages and interest rates and you're just lost, especially because it's quite often the first time you've ever really had any education around finances because we don't get taught any of this stuff. So where did you start? Because I know people are going to be listening and, and, and some of them will be identifying with you because the facts were still as they were. So you still had to pay for the roof over the head. You still had to pay for childcare. You know, you still had all the debts. So how do you start making a difference? I started by having a cleanse, I call it. I looked around and I was thinking, what can be sold in this house? I wanted to have an emergency fund. And I had to have a cleanse, but before, when I say a cleanse and when I say, I call it a budget NCT, I had to look and see where the money was coming in. How much was I actually earning? How much was staying with me? Where was I spending money all the time? And that was quite harrowing for me. So I got a calendar out and I literally wrote down, you know, in red where all my spending was happening. I look back through all my bank statements and there's nothing like looking at the at, at a month in your life and seeing how you spend money and realizing you don't have any room for writing <laughs> anymore because it might be only a coffee. And even though I was broke and in debt, I thought these things were normal, you know, I could still afford a coffee. If I got a tip in work, I could still do this. I could still bring my kids to Funky Monkey, even though we're struggling with the food shop. It's still okay for me to show people that, you know, I'm living a certain way. It's still okay to keep up with the Joneses or or your neighbours or whoever that you think perceive you in a certain way. So 
I had, you know, budget NCT. I did my money calendar and I had the cleanse where I needed to stop behaving in a way that I perceived was how people viewed me and just be myself to a certain point. So I started by um, really figuring out what I owed and I listed all my debts down from the smallest to the lowest to my friends, to my family, you know, to every single person that I owed money to. And it was very liberating, Claire. It was one of the, it was scary because I thought I owed about 40 grand, you know, before I didn't actually know the figures. There was so much that to a certain point you, 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 you become numb to it and you hide from the big figures and you have so many mispayments and, you know, so many people that you just say, you know, uh, it's grand. I, I don't know how much I owe, but I'm going to try. But when you write it down and in your head you think it's 40 grand and it's 15, you're winning already. And when you write down how much you have going out and you, you could see then a visual of your spending habits. Because there was some things that I was like, I don't remember signing up for this. I don't remember doing this. And it was obviously in the middle of the night, me waking up, feeling sorry for myself and emotionally spending. You know, because that's that's that that's my crutch. That's that's what I do when when things are hard, I spend. But um, it just so happened that the spending is what is actually the problem. And I think so many people will identify with that, myself included. I don't know if I've ever even sat down. I'm saying to my husband now, we're looking to move on to another house, and I'm like, we need to sit down and we need to, you know, work all this out. How have we got to this? point that we haven't actually done that yet. And I think so many people are the same. They're not actually writing everything down. They're not actually looking at what they're spending. Yeah. But I think we underestimate the impact it has on our on our health. When people think of health and wellness, they think of green juices and going to the gym and, you know, all that's great and everything. But you have to have all areas of your life in balance your relationships, your finances, because you can be filling your plate with all the vegetables in the world. But if you're lying awake at night stressing about your debt, it doesn't matter. You know, you need to be the best version of yourself in all areas. You know, and it's just to even have a bit of balance. You know, no one's we don't all have to be Warren Buffett, but we could all just know, just know what's going on. And if you think about it, Claire, you, you spend so much time working so much time working away from your kids, away from your family. And, you know, that time equates to money. That's why you're working. And then if you don't balance your money, then what are you doing with your time? And if time is our most valuable resource in life, then it's a huge waste. It it becomes more about, more about, more than just well-being. This is your actual life, you know? And that's that's the way I, I see everything now. I can't help. I can't unsee it. And although, you know, I help people with money and stuff, for me, it's more than that. It's it's about liberating yourself and taking back your life and, you know, putting this this to rest and then choosing what you want to do. It's ultimate freedom. And well, that's where that's the path I'm on. And so far, it's it's a beautiful journey. I can't help sharing it, you know. Yeah. And I know you're a qualified life coach as well. And and it is, it's about your own self-worth instead of constantly saying, oh, I'm brutal with money or I never have enough money. Actually, when you Flip write it. it all down, 
you can take control of that, but you have to believe that you're worthy of that. That's sort of where our our net worth and our self worth are quite closely knit together. Align though, yeah. But that's I think that's that is society as well as a whole, and that's what is being told to us. If you look at you know Christmas and we all want our homes to be like home alone. You know, we all still, that's, that's it. That's what we want. We want Christmas to be so perfect. And we really forget to value the times and the people that are there and the the people that might not be there next Christmas. You, you, you don't, if I could give anything back, you could give me a million euro or you could tell me you could sit down and have, you know, a conversation or go back to your favorite Christmas with, all your families and all your loved ones before life affected us all. Um, I'd go back to that and I don't care because you can't, you can't buy that. You can't buy those feelings. Once you started looking at it all and realistically making a budget and, and finding a way to to reduce your debt and, and bring it down and, and pay your own way, how yeah. much sacrifice did it come with? I mean, did it mean you could never buy another coffee? Did you have to completely stop buying no, clothes I, and did that did any of that really matter when it came down to it even what you said there about the kids and the indoor play center I mean you just bring them to a playground it's free playground. and you, you know you fill up their water bottles at home you don't have to keep tap 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 and another 40 quid yes um I realized that simpler was really better and I realized if you think about it if you don't have the money and you're going out and you're spending a certain way um, how how present are you there with your children? How how are you really enjoying it? It's a stressful day before you even before before the first tantrum. You know you're not in the head space for it anyway. So I realized that it was back to basics time, and you know I have coffee at home. I could have a cup of coffee before I went out. I don't have to be walking around with a mug. Or I could bring my own mug. You know, I don't have to be buying into what everybody's buying into. It doesn't make me, you know, any different than anybody. It's just somebody's perception is their perception. A lot of my friends found it difficult because, you know, I would always be the one, no matter what, I'd say, yeah, I'm coming out, even if I have no money. I'll do this. I'll go meet you in a cafe. And, you know, all of a sudden I was like, no, you can come to my house or I'll go to your house. I'm on a budget now. And I am trying to pay off a lot of debt. And it really didn't matter to me anybody's opinion because I nearly lost my life over this. Everything else I was winning then. And I I really started to see the beauty in simple things. And having no spend days, which is something that I really implemented in 2019 in my life, where I was looking at, you know, the low hanging fruit for what it was, is something that was a gift for me rather than trying to achieve. I'd climb the top and buy into the, the top. I was really just looking at what was there and having days where we did pack a picnic and made an occasion out of the simplest things that we did in our lives. And it was lovely. You know, it was really, really lovely. And although it was hard because I was changing habits and I was creating boundaries and I was, you know, adapting to a new way of living, And it was really tough because, you know, when you don't, you're not used to that. It's frightening and it's your, your, when it gets a bit tough, your instinct is to go back and just buy something. But when you start, when I paid off my lowest debt and you had that win or you had a thousand euro in the bank, 
in case anything went wrong in the house for the first time ever. You can't help but go and, oh my God, that's a win. I, I, you know, my boiler went and I didn't panic. I didn't have that stress. And that was a foreign thing to me. And it really made me realize, wow, money and stress is so entangled in your life, Santis. And I, it was worth not having the coffee to have my boiler fixed and not to be stressed about it or to not owe my best friend a load of money or my family members a load of money and being able to walk into a room and feel, yeah, I'm equal, you know, or to not have bank statements or, or you know, phone calls coming through saying that you owe people money or, you know, being behind in your mortgage. To not have that it was worth it that year. And it became pretty addictive for me to continue to do that or to sell some of your clothes and some of your furniture that you thought you needed and some of the children's clothes that you thought you needed. And to realize that you don't, you can't remember what you've actually sold because you had so much and you you really love the emptiness of the apartment. It, it, it was a beautiful year. It was tough and it was challenging but it was exactly what I needed. And at the start, we said, we view our self-esteem based on the money we have and what we spend and the things we buy in and external. But there was me and I was winning internally. And it was showing because people were attracted, attracted to that. And it was crazy. And when did you start to share what you were learning and help other people? So I shared in, I think it was the end of January I started and I tell you why. The lady that I was followed, I noticed that, like obviously she was in America, but I noticed that she had a community. I noticed that I was, because I was in the community, I was commenting, well done, you go, you know. And she almost felt accountable because I tell you why, she's paid off her debt now and she stopped posting anything. She's finished now. So she was doing that all along. And it was, she. I saw her, she was saying it was accountability. She loved the fact that when she was showing up and if she felt like she wasn't alone and so isolated. And she was getting so much tips that I said, I wonder if I can do that. And I, I was naive to a certain point, but for, for, the bet, for the better part, I was so involved in that world that I didn't realize I was so abnormal in my own world and in Dublin and in Ireland. And I was literally probably the second account. There's a lot of them now, but I was probably the second account that I know we started around the same time to have done that in Ireland. And what sort of feedback have you been getting from people? What are some of the sort of common stories that you hear? Because I'm sure there are so many of them and money's quite taboo. We don't really talk about it. It's not OK to ask somebody what they earn or, or how much debt they have. Um, It has been really, really astoundingly beautiful. People that have been, you know, it's a lot to tell people about investing. There's a lot to tell people about, you know, buying the next house. But what if you are just, what if you're trapped in the social welfare cycle? What if you are 
just trying to move out your parents with your children? You know, what if you're just trying to make ends meet every single week? It could almost feel impossible. And so many people have reached out to me and said, I've paid off 20 grand in debt, 10 grand in debt, just from watching you and watching how you do it and you sharing your tips and just being able to feel comfortable enough to talk to my family about it. Um, it's It's been really motivating and it's been motivating for me in my own life that it keeps me pushing and wanting to share more and do more. Um, some of the stories have been really harrowing, but then they've been really a turnaround in how people have think. And like you said earlier, Claire, you know, if you think you're bad with money, you're going to be bad with money. If you're told all the time that this is normal to get a loan, it's going to be normal to you. So when you hear someone saying that's not normal, this is not normal to be in this level of debt. This is not normal to come back from your holiday with your holiday in debt. It's not normal to be to be sleeping, to be sitting up at night trying to think how you're going to feed your kids. That's not normal. And there's ways around it, but we need to be open and we need to talk. So it's been really moving and it's been the inspiration for me to keep going and sharing. And it's really kicked off, hasn't it? I mean, you are contributing all across the place on radio, in print media. Um, yourself and Connor Pope presented The Price of Everything on, on RTE. Yeah. I mean, when you think back to the end of, of 2018 and where you were to now, it's 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 huge. It's, um, I couldn't have envisioned it. 2020, I, I wrote a vision board. Everything has been achieved. I'm at the point now that I don't know even what to envision anymore because I can't even understand that just taking control of my finances and gaining a bit of clarity around my life and what I want can can do so much for someone's life, can change their life so drastically that you're almost thinking, is this, is this even real? And, you know, like who would have, I would have never saw myself on an RT primetime show. I just didn't see myself even as a presenter, you know, and there I am. Like, you know, and my family and my mom, everybody's just like, what is going on? And that spurs them on to, you know, really ask themselves, what do you want? And that that comes right back down to my doctor ask me you need to figure out exactly what you want and your dream now is to give people all of this information you have the budget mindset planner the budget mindset club and you'd like to sort of have clubs sort of in the way there are slimming clubs for people who want to change their their health if if that's the way they want to go you want to do that about money and just bring it all out into the open and give really simple tips. Yeah, bring it all out into open, have some really great conversations around it. Um, I was meant to launch the Budget Mindset Club in this month, but we're going to postpone it and start in September because I think it's a great time 
to really start. We we looked at it and it was just a better time to really start it. You know, you're coming, you're going into school now and it's really talking about all things finances, all things savings, all things accountability. And basically, I, I like I, I would describe it is when you walk in there, you're going into a different world. When you come into this world, it's a different world altogether and you'll walk away feeling exuberance and, you know, worthiness, which we all have in our own abilities to budget, manage money and get exactly what you want in there. It's not about competitiveness. It's about being the best you financially. So that's the next step now. Um, there's a few bits that I can't even talk about, but that's the next step for me. Um, and hopefully that gets me to my yellow door because the older I get is the more I want an even more simple life where I'm down the country making my own bread and raise and have my own chicken out the back. Amazing. And you are planning on going back to the Caribbean and, and bringing your your kids back next year yes. next year is gonna be the year um I can't wait to actually just book the flights and then to know that it's really happening but yes next year is gonna be the year and the kids are living for it my daughter is obsessed with mangoes and like I was as a child and she can't understand that they grow in trees and you don't buy them in Tesco <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I've been so moved by this conversation. And I think people listening will be too, because we underestimate our finances and, and what they mean and hearing your story and hearing how a bit of clarity and a bit of control and look at the beauty in your life. And it's because you started focusing, as you say, on the simple things. You weren't thinking, I need that, I need that. You actually stopped all that, took a yeah. look at what was really important. And now you don't even know what to put in your vision board anymore. I love it, yeah, Santos. I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. You're absolutely in a flow state. And, you know, when we met, you've got the most incredible energy. I've no doubt you're going to keep spreading that color and joy with what you're doing. Santos O'Gara, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much, Claire. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Changemakers. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast too. Take care. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.